This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Special Edition, Batman Hush.
iFanboy Special Edition Batman Hush. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with the Animation Brain Trust, Paul Montgomery, and Ryan Haupt. Don't my joke, Paul. Don't appreciate that. And we, we're introducing the newest co-host, the gang of men outside building scaffolding, who you'll probably hear. Oh, I thought episode. you were going to make a joke that we were introducing a new co-host who was named Hush and just wouldn't say anything the whole show. <laughs> no. These are the ten guys right outside my window who are literally building a scaffolding on top of the building across the street. So I'm just imagining dozers from Fraggle Rock. So uh, you may hear them throughout the show. They may chime in. Uh, this is Batman Hush. Paul, what are the stats on this one? 35th overall, and then the 13th within this continuity, that within like the Jason O'Mara as Batman. And that's enough. Yeah. We've had enough of this <laughs> continuity. I mean, the comics have moved on for the most part. That is the weird thing, is that the comics are no longer doing what the animated movies are doing. It, it makes the animated movies not feel like current or modern. Yeah, and when Superman arrives in his old suit, you're just like, come on. We've had two reboots since then. It's not ending anytime soon. The next film we'll talk about at the end is also in the continuities. Here's our official word to Warner Brothers Animation. Enough. 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 <laughs> this is the adaptation of Batman Hush. This was the 12-issue story from Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee. Was it 15 years ago? 20 years ago? It feels like it happened right when I was getting back into comics. I have the 15th anniversary book here. I don't know when that came out. Maybe it was this year. Which was, you know, met with great fanfare. It was peak Jeff Loeb. It was not peak Jim Lee. Well, Peak Jim Lee was in the in you know in the nineties like, with X Men. It was like Return. Oh, sorry, it was it's, peak, it's like Travolta in Pulp Fiction. But it was Peak Loeb. You had your Batman Hush. You had your Superman for all seasons. You had the color, you know, Daredevil yellow, yeah. Spider Man blue. It was an era of Loeb. So the the original storyline ran from December of two thousand two through November of two thousand three. So that's about fifteen, sixteen years ago. Sure. Many people love that book. We often are asked about it to cover it in various ways in the iFanboy and. It's no one's real favorite here. Nope. I reread it actually this weekend. You did? Okay. In anticipation of the film. I'm actually really glad I did because it brought up some interesting contrasts. I don't think I've read it since it originally came out because I didn't love it. Did, then I don't really love it now, having mm -hmm. reread it. Not to go into too deep about it, but it just, it just, I, I don't think Jim Lee's right for DC, which is ironic considering he is the face of DC. And as Tom King said in our. Talks about an interview with Josh Flanagan. Jim Lee is considered to be the house style for DC. To me, Hush is the first ushering in of an, an era of DC that I don't really love. Yeah. That's my personal take on it. It's not a bad story, I have to admit. I would say it's a convoluted story. It's super convoluted, but it's not bad. I just don't love it. And the thing that I did like about it was that it was a DC that no longer exists, so I really did enjoy spending 12 issues in that old DC universe. I can see that. In anticipation of this, I read the Wikipedia article on this, which probably <laughs> highlights that it, how convoluted it is, because it also goes on to talk about sort of the revisions that were made post this story, particular storyline, mm -hmm. like some some retconning of Hush and like Paul Dini did a lot of stuff with yeah, he liked the Riddler situation coming out of this and also Hush situation coming out of this to attempt to streamline it. It's also interesting that there's a, a sort of a long history of like about just as long as it's been since this storyline ran, a, a long history of trying to adapt this oh, interesting. for the screen. I found an interesting quote yesterday. It basically, Bruce Tim said, uh, sure, it would be neat to adapt that, but you wouldn't want to do it as one movie. <laughs> You'd want to do it as its own show, like its own series or miniseries or something. Yeah. And it, it works best as a comic book, not as a movie. 
but they also tried to do it like a couple times with uh, um, not the original Batman animated series, but the Batman, the mm, yeah. younger Batman character. Yeah. So Alan Burnett and, and other people were trying to do that, and then they kind of it makes sense. It was in, it was had hugely, to rework it. hugely popular, and sure. so I mean, if you're going to do that kind of thing, it makes it, I'm a little surprised it took them this long. Although I think we're going to find out Bruce Timm's prediction was correct. Yeah. I consider it the Ready Player One of Batman stories. <laughs> it's like, let's, wow. let's scoop up. <laughs> well, I, but, but I mean, there are people who like Ready Player One a lot. I, for one, don't like that story. And I think it, it's a problematic way of doing it. But it's like, let's scoop all of the Batman characters into one story and have everyone involved in some way. And It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, I think the mystery didn't I end up holding it together. Thing. If you're going to do a 12-issue, it's not prestige because it was in the, within the book itself, but a 12-issue sort of prestige story that rocks Batman's world, air quotes. You might as well have as many of the characters involved as possible. And I know probably mm-hmm. the excuse was to have Jim Lee draw as many of the characters as possible. Just to, to close the loop on the book before we get to the movie, it was just mm-hmm. nice to be in the back in the world where Tim Drake was Robin. And I enjoyed reading it if, even if I didn't love the story. I found things interesting about it if I didn't love the story. And that's just speaking directly to the book, not right, the, the book. movie, because that is different here. I did not reread the book, but I of those where I thought I remembered the story well enough. And then in watching this movie, I kept having those moments of like, oh, yeah, that did happen in that book. Weird. It was a lot of that. So let's get to the film. Uh, this film was directed by Justin Copeland, written by Ernie Altbacker. And as we mentioned before, stars the actors who have been in the con- in continuity stories, Jason O'Mara as Batman, Peyton Liss as Batgirl, Sean Maher as Nightwing, Jerry O'Connell as Superman, Rebecca Romaine as Lois Lane, and then people like Jennifer Morrison who plays Catwoman. And uh, Wait, I think, that, I think there might be an error there. I think Peyton List is Ivy. And Batgirl. Is she both? According to according to this. I thought it was somebody. I think I think that might be attributed wrong online because I, I ran into that as well. You go ahead. I'm going to look that up. It's your standard cast that's been through these before. And uh, the movie's a mess. Yeah. The movie's mm-hmm. a big, 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 big mess. I get nervous when I'm not enjoying one of these because I'm like, is this going to be one of those where I get told I'm, I'm just a big old dummy and I got it wrong? But I'm very relieved to hear you say that. I would just say that the first half of the film, and this is an hour and 20 minutes, so you, again, we're, we're knocking in the door of feature length with these films. The first half was really close to the book. It was until the yeah. part where, where Batman confronts Hush in that random hall of mirrors in the middle of the city. I had the book with me. And I was sort of following along just to see how it was going to differ. And it was really close. I mean, there were obviously th- changes they made and things that were, that were compressed. But structurally-wise, the first half was really close to the book. And I was actually enjoying it. And then, in the middle, it veers wildly from the book. And I'm not saying this is the problem with the movie, but it veers wildly. And then it's like a butterfly effect of changes. So the, by the time you get to the end, it's, it's unrecognizable. If I was a huge Hush fan, I'd be pissed. They radically changed the story. They radically changed mm-hmm. the villain. I mean, the, the Riddler is still the ultimate villain, but there is no hush. There is no Tommy Elliot. He does get killed in the middle. It's not a fake out. Tommy Elliot's not set up as the new villain in Batman's life. He is dead, and there's... I mean, that, that was... A, I was shocked. And considering there's so many huge fans of this story, I can't even imagine what they're thinking having, having yeah. watched this. It's interesting because... It's a twist designed for the people who know the story well. Yeah. But 
because it's only it's only really a, a twist if you're going in expecting it to be right Bruce's friend is is actually Hush the surgeon right but also by doing that you're ticking off the people who know the story so well if they're the kind of person that really wants this you know you to follow the source material really well right for me it kind of worked a little bit like at least i i appreciated them trying to do something different because i knew i I was familiar with the story at least if not the finer details but i I knew that i was like oh right it's that's it's bruce's friend turns out to be hush um and it ends up being like sort of like i've always thought of it as sort of like a less lesser than harvey dent situation Mm -hmm. because you take when when you do the two-faced story right which also involves ivy now that think about it at least in the animated version you've got bruce's best friend turns out to be the bad guy and it's not necessarily a twist or a surprise but anyways i always thought that dynamic worked better than this guy who was just introduced in this storyline and like oh well that's going to be the bad guy so there's this twist in there for people who have already read the book but but i think the people who would be the most adamant about this adaptation even happening are the ones who would probably want them to stick to that version of events. And so they ca- they come up with this, you know, the Riddler was a crucial part of it and they did some retconning after the storyline or else it's in the epilogue of the story. Is, is it, there it, Riddler's it, involvement? It, yeah, in the book, he's the ultimate master. In the epilogue? Yeah, he's, he's the ultimate mastermind. He's it. the mastermind, yeah. but he's not Hush. No, 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 no. Right. No, definitely not. So I mean, when you look at an adaptation, you can look at it one or two ways. You can you can just want to see this thing you love in a new medium, or you can want to mm-hmm. be surprised by it. I think most people who watch these want to see the stories they love in a new medium, see it come to life. And so, if you are a big fan, unlike the three of us of Hush, and you saw this movie, I'd love to know what you think. You can tell us in the comments of the show if you were pissed mm-hmm. or if you thought it was interesting or if you were happy to be surprised. Because I was, I was real shocked, and also. I got really less interested in it once the once it sort of started coming apart story wise. Like once the halfway part hit and it, the story went off in a wild new direction, I, I got much less interested in the story. I had that same experience. It, it, yeah, I actually paused it and went and did something else for like a half hour and had to come back and kind of, you know, felt felt like uh, taking my medicine to kind of finish it <laughs> after that point. Some of the things that are different beyond the actual story, the killer, the whole po- the whole plot. So Bane replaces Killer Croc, Batgirl. Replaces Huntress. Right, Lex, yeah. Lex Luthor replaces Talia, although he's also in the comic, but as the president. And then a combination. Well, it's really just Dick Grayson replaces Tim Drake in the story, even though he's also in the comic. He keeps his old scenes, plus he gets Tim's scenes from the book. Two Face, other than a really f- brief flash, is not in the film at all. He's a big part of the, the story. Mm-hmm. Completely cut out the huge Jason Todd fake out, which had happened in the comics before he returned. That was a huge part of the story. That was my favorite part of of the story from the comic. Raza Ghoul is not in it at all. They mentioned the League of Assassins via Lady Shiva, right, who because, is in the comic. Yeah, that was in the comic too, because right. the whole right. thing is the Riddler had a brain tumor, which is in the movie, and he gets saved through the, the Lazarus pit. And so obviously Raz is big, you know, it's his pit. And every time pit's used, mm-hmm. it's destroyed. So he was pissed. And so they were heavily involved in the story too. And that... Other than the very beginning when Lady Shiva shows up to say that the Lazarus Pit's been used, they're not in the story at all. A major, I would not expect this to be in the movie, but a major thing happened in the story where this was the death of Harold. 
Batman's longtime yes. tinkerer. He was killed in the comic. He's not in the movie. I think that's all the missing characters, the major missing characters. Do I remember this correctly? Was Harold sort of like a one of the red herrings for who could be Hush? Or am I remembering For like that? a second. For like a second. Yeah. This movie also features the stupid, thin Amanda Waller version. It's a good character model. I mean, not for Amanda Waller, maybe, right. but like yeah, for yeah. someone else. I was like, yeah, it's a good character model. It's great, but it's not her. Um, she's so also cool. in the book. It features some dumb kryptonite brass knuckles that are not in the book. <sighs> Superman's in it a lot less in the movie than he is in the book. I'm just looking through my notes here of things they changed. The structure of this plot is so... It, it, it's going back to you know Bruce Timm saying like this does not make a movie it's not a movie structure it's just it's all over the place like they're they're going back and forth from Gotham to Metropolis and then you're and then it's got the you know the cat the book they stuff. go to the Middle East to, to the Lazarus Pit too I yeah guess. and I was just like what like I mean so they do attempt to streamline it like ultimately they're like okay well you know we it's we're biting we would we'd be biting off a lot more than we can chew to do the chase and todd stuff although that seems like a very important aspect of the storyline in retrospect yeah even though it's like i i find it weird like in, in retconny like why like why is i mean they're just doing it to mess with with bruce right like the, that's yeah the whole there, thing there's, is, a, there's a constant psychological torture happening through the, through the use of clayface and when yeah. they didn't use when they didn't do the jason todd bit you know, there's like no, <laughs> there's no reason to use Clayface, and they use him. So they use him one time in the movie, it pretends to be Riddler, but it's like a, it's a build in the comic. It's like they're removing pieces of the puzzle in order to make the puzzle smaller and easier to manage within the scope of a feature. And again, they don't have a full feature length; it's getting there. But, but by doing that, you're removing important connections for the pieces that are left on the board so like why does this need to be here the biggest loss i think is tommy elliott himself who now is is a waste of time in the story right when he gets killed at this point i'd not i didn't know they were changing the story when he gets killed i thought well they haven't done anything to make me care about tommy elliott so i don't really care well they, they had dead. to keep they had to keep that image of the joker you know Right, posed over him with the the gun with the bang flag. Right, but one of the it. things that's missing is that since they don't, they're cutting all the stuff out. Is they cut all the backstory, almost all the backstory out between him and Bruce yeah, and the flashbacks. No, we and, don't. So when he dies, like, you're just like, okay, the, the kind of obnoxious guy died. He wasn't really, I didn't really like him, and now he's not the villain, so I don't really care at all. I don't know why. I mean, cut him out of the story completely, then. Yeah, yeah. Like I was like, when are they going to do a flashback? Because. There's no, we don't have any reason to care about this character other than like Bruce introduces him to us as he's introducing him to Selena, and it's like so like otherwise, why why is he there? Like <laughs> Ryan, tell us we're wrong here. It just it's just a screw with. I mean, you're the you're not. They didn't, yeah, I uh, it, I kept waiting for them to do something with him, and I also thought. I know we've had somewhat mixed feelings on Jason O'Mara's performance as Batman Bruce Wayne. I thought this was a movie where you really needed somebody to do a different voice for Bruce than they do for Batman. And yeah. there's basically no change between the two voices. Uh, that made me laugh yeah, at the, at the party. It's like, come on, dude. Yeah. And like when he's trying to be emotional and sincere, it just came across as so flat. So even the moments where they tried to make you connect Bruce and Tommy together, you know, he's like, Tommy, I wish we could be better friends <laughs> no thanks you're an emotional like, robot oh, yeah <laughs> so they they had so they had to do a lot of heavy lifting with just the the eye holes in the cowl 
Yeah. Like this is the most emoting in a in one of these kinds of Batman movies. Like outside of like I don't know in a Hanna Barbera Batman maybe like the, he, maybe he did some more of that. But like here it's it's just like they they had to really stretch it. And they made a they made, they made such a strangely weird big deal about him changing into a very similar but slightly bluer costume. That was the best moment of the movie where he ditched the New Fifty Two outfit to wear his classic Batman outfit. I mean that was the classic bat suit. With the big, the big belt and the lighter blue. I mean, that was. Yeah. That was. I was. That made me happy. He didn't have the chin strap. It was great. There's more cushioning in the cowl. Alfred said. There's a bit in the book about that. How he oh, is there? wears a suit with a more reinforced head because he fractured his skull when he fell. Yeah, in the co- yeah, that's another thing. In the comic, he actually cracks his skull in that huge fall. And, and that's, that's why, why he did Tommy, the- and then. Tommy the puts surgeon. a tracker in his skull, and that was a bit like there was a lot of stuff there. I feel like they they wanted to change the story for whatever reason, and they didn't really follow through on all the things that needed to change. So there was it's like partially in there, and then it's like, well, it just. It and also, weird. did they ever even bring up that Tommy was also an orphan? Like that that was no. something he and Bruce bonded over. Because nope. I mean, and then there's a reveal about that in in maybe Hush. Maybe one he of the orchestrated that. Yeah, in Hush, he killed. He, he, he killed. killed him. Yeah. But that's that's out the window when when Tommy is no longer in the story the after the thirty minute yeah. mark. Well, they use his corpse to freak out Batman. Right. But like, <laughs> which is just why I did enjoy that Tommy at that party just downed both those whiskeys when Bruce bailed on him. That's, that's what I do. I mean, for me, I never I've never liked the Hush character. I don't care about the Hush character. It's a neat design. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying. I'm trying. No, no, the the the, the visible man. <laughs> Design's cool. I mean, the suit underneath the trench coat's not cool, but the trench coat and gauze face is cool. I don't mind the suit under the trench coat. I, I actually kind of dug it when it was uh, the Jason Todd Clayface version. But in the comic, doesn't he only speak in quotes? Oh, I don't know. I just know that for a couple years, like Paul Dini really loved using him and other people. And I just got I got so sick and tired of, of it. Was just It's just weird. Like, you know, Batman has the most storied and notorious rogues gallery in all of comics. And so it's weird that in the you know early 2000s they introduced a new villain who was supposed to be at that caliber and that comics like pushed it hard enough that he kind of st- he stuck with some group of the fan base but definitely not me i have like no I, even though i enjoyed the comic i think more than either of you did like i never needed to see the hush character ever again right and it, this, it, this feels it keeps, like this keeps coming back and i don't know why it feels well I, I feel like this is it you know it's like it, the whole thing is the reveal of right. who he is like his whole thing is I'm I'm hush hush like it's it's a it's a secret. Oh god, so this, that opening. No, no. Well, I mean, Ugh. yeah, that sucked. But like it's that's the mystery. And then like once you get beyond that, there's not really anything else to explore with him. Like uh, his gimmick is that he used the other villains like chess pieces. And yeah. how I mean, you could do that with the Mad Hatter. You but could, his whole you know, his I mean his whole thing ultimately is that because he knows. Bruce and Bruce's secret and Bruce's life, he can push Bruce's buttons in a way that the Mad Hatter or Riddler can't. That's the pitch if you're pitching Hush, yeah. is that he is Bruce's childhood best friend who knows everything about him, so he's, he's therefore Bruce's most deadly adversary. Fine. Whether or not they succeeded in, in doing that uh, is uh, up for debate, but that's the, that's the pitch on Hush. Why is he different than the other characters? So I don't necessarily mind yeah, just, the idea I, I or the introduction of like him. He's but. a one-off, and you, there's not really much reason to use him anywhere else unless you're playing unless you're doing like hush Two, like it just becomes its own thing like there, there's no he's not he just doesn't work as a recurring villain. I saw him. 
let's shift gears a second and talk about so Batman's the main character, but the, the second lead is Catwoman. Yeah. And if you go back to the book, this is basically the beginning of where we are now in the Batman comics with Catwoman as the as the what was as the fiance at one point. Yeah. This is the book where he reveals his identity to her, which was a little shocking. In the comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he did it here too. He does it. I just mean the shocking part. Yeah, yeah, they the thing did. That was, yeah. The thing that was shocking for me was I forgot that that was a reveal in the comic. And I assumed because Jason O'Mara is acting that she knew. <laughs> right. That, <laughs> like, just the, the way, their interaction in that in that party scene in the beginning. Right. I thought, oh, the, in this status quo, she knows who he is. It's funny because in the comic, there's a line about that from Nightwing where he says she probably knows anyway. Right. Like, how could she not? <laughs> you know. Anyway, so what did you guys think of them as a duo, their relationship? There's a lot more in here than in the book. The whole middle section where they she's basically living in the, the manor and they go on adventures and they're fighting crime together was all not in the book, which felt weird because it felt like you guys are really focused on this, this hush mystery. Now you're off fighting Two-Face and the Penguin and maybe you should focus. What did you guys think of their duo in this movie? I actually didn't mind it. I liked the little breakfast scene where you know Selena just keeps stealing his coffee and stealing his croissant while he's reading the paper. I thought that was actually cute and well yeah. done. She um, steals stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even think of it that way, Paul, but that's that's totally correct. I think I actually liked how Dick Grayson and Alfred reacted to the new relationship more than anything Bruce did. I mean, Damon was terrible. Um, that was awful. Whole, oh, that was, yeah. yeah. Never has and that's a, a new creation for this movie because Damien wasn't around then. No, forgot. Definitely not. It just, that was a total, like, ham-fisted... He calls her a trollop. Make sure you wear protection. Like, it was just... It, it, it didn't gross. need to be in the story. And then Bruce is like weirdly embarrassed by it. Yeah, it didn't need to be in the story. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't like that. But I did like, I actually did really like Dick and Selena's little ride along in the Batmobile. Yes. Uh, and them talking about things. I, you know, I think Dick is a better character for that than Bruce in a lot of ways. And so it's fun to fun yeah. to give them that That's moment to have that conversation. So th- that part of it actually didn't bother me. I kind of wish... I wish that that was a continuing thread and that they didn't kind of put a button on the whole relationship as the end of the movie, but yeah. what, what can you do? I thought Jennifer Morrison was really good. Yes. As Selena. Yes. Like, yeah. If I didn't, if I hadn't checked to see, oh, who's playing Catwoman, I wouldn't have guessed that was her. You guys noticed that her cat was named Eartha? Yes. Yes, I did. That was great. I didn't love the Catwoman design. Uh, I mentioned on social media that it, it there's a weird Aeon Flux quality to it where she looks very stretched out Hmm. (laughs) like very long face and stuff like that that's a weird that's like a minor quibble but i i thought this that was this sort of the more compelling part of this movie like the hush stuff is like whatever but like this this relationship between them is is is, you know is is interesting jennifer morrison carries it because jason america's as bruce like it's it's just wooden and i mean it it that that kind of works sometimes because Bruce should be sort of, you know, like you not just, fun compared to her. But you just wonder what a, she sees in him, other right, than yeah. his physical attraction. Like he's not charming when he's with her by alone. Like there's no mo- there's no modulation in how he's portrayed. Yeah, and again, like she's shocked when she finds out. And I'm like, yeah, he's the same Batman with Commissioner Gordon as he is having breakfast with Selena as he is with Dick as he is with a criminal. Like he, there's no change in the way he's portrayed and you, 
just find yourself wondering what she sees in him. Because I thought she was great in the movie. I really liked Catwoman. And it was yeah. one of the first times where I was okay. Because I'm not a big fan of their relationship. I didn't grow up with her as a primary romantic partner. You agree with Damon on that? You and Damon are on the same page? Well, I'm not. Not to the, to the extent of, <laughs> of, of, of that. But I liked them together in this movie. I thought they were a fun couple. As you know, as wooden as he was, I thought they were a fun couple. Mostly because she was great. I thought Jennifer Morrison was great. So that, that part I was actually having enjoying while watching it was, them, was their interactions, their partnership. Let me break in real quick to blow your minds. There are two Peyton Lists. And they're both in the movie. And they are both in this movie, as I think what, what's happening here. It's, it's hard to kind of, But, like, there's a Peyton List who's defi- who was born in 1998 and is definitely not the Mad Men actress. I thought that was against Guild rules. That, that actors yeah, don't you have name. to have a different name? She's Peyton. listed as Peyton List 2 on IMDb. Weird. On Wikipedia, I, they they say it's the same Peyton List, but I think if you, if you track it down and you go to Pey, Peyton Roy List, so it's P E Y T O N Roy R O I List. Right. On Wikipedia, she was an actress who has appeared in the Diary of the Wimpy Kid film series and the YouTube show Cobra Kai. And she is she was she's twenty one. She was born in nineteen ninety eight, and I'm so I think that. That and was, also, she played it's listed on her credits yeah. here. Yeah. So it's weird. They, there's two Peyton lists in this in this movie. <laughs> that very common name, Peyton List. We've talked a lot about what didn't work. I liked Catwoman. I liked their relationship. What What did you guys like? Did you like anything? Did anything work for you? Other than Jennifer Morrison. You mentioned Catwoman. Yeah. It occurred to me that oh, they they made this change here, and I'm. I'm a proponent for making changes in adaptations because, uh, like, what's the point if you don't play with it a little bit? I don't think it necess- it, it the, the change to the Riddler being Hush doesn't satisfy a lot of the things that they set up, and it makes weird things into red herrings that just feel, they, they feel less like red herrings and more like, why is this even here? Mm-hmm. So uh, with with like Tommy and stuff, but the idea of the Riddler, I don't agree that the Riddler is a C list villain. Well, at the time of the story, I mean, I've always been a Riddler fan. At the time of the story, okay. At the time of this, I, I was I'm always a big, big Riddler fan. Probably goes back to Frank Ocean yes. and, and you know Batman sixty six. But sure. at the time of the story, he was a Sean character not I should also mention not really used much. Mm-hmm. You could argue that continued on through. You know, 2011 when the new 52 and happened. And this is post Jim Carrey as the Riddler, oh, for so sure. yeah, yeah. that probably <laughs> hurt it, his cred for a little he, bit. I think for a certain type of fan like us, he's a he's a major player. But I think from he was considered sort of he sort of fallen into C list category. So the same oh, with the same with the Penguin is, who who had to be moved to basically being a crime boss because he was he was a C lister as a villain. And this is before Paul Dini as uh, writing the Riddler in. Uh, Detective Comics. I believe so. So, like, I, this actually sort of rolls into that. Well, it, there's some weird stuff with Infinite Crisis that they remove the information from, like, the Riddler goes into a coma and loses the knowledge of Bruce Wayne being Batman. Right, because at the end of the story, he knows everything. Yeah. So, but then that, I think, leads into Paul Dini using him and bringing him into Detective Comics as this more sort of morally gray character. Yeah. Um, so we've had some really good Riddler stories since then, like the you know the the War of Jokes and Riddles and stuff like that, and and uh, I always think of the the Denny stuff with the Riddler. But so yeah, I guess at the, at the time, sure, C list character, but and and maybe it's because 
Batman's Rogues Gallery is so good that I consider sort of them all A-list rogues compared to other superheroes' rogues galleries. Right. If that makes sense. Right, like sure. the, he's, he's a Batman villain, so he's pretty big. But but anyway, so it, it so they they pull on some interesting threads there. So I like the idea that he's he's briefly given this power up from being in the Lazarus pit, and then Batman is pointing out very smartly that when they figure out what you did, and then like Poison Ivy and and let alone you know Rachel Ghoul and the League of Assassins, like they're gonna kill your ass. <laughs> yeah, like you you are a, a very tiny fish in a very big pond of piranhas and like they are going to come for you so even if you kill me like then there's going to be no one to protect you quite honestly so there's some interesting stuff there the other thing so going back to the changes and adaptations thing we did i think we as a group did like what they did with gotham by gaslight yeah where they they made a big change as to like who the bad guy was in that and i think that's what they were going for here it worked in that one I think they earned they one. earned the change, and yeah. also, I don't know that Gotham by Gaslight the whole story is about the villain as opposed to here where this is the whole story. The name of the story is Hush. The villain is the, the main, you know, the the point. Right. And to change the point, this is like changing the ending to Murder on the Orient Express. Right. It'll be surprising, but it'll also take the whole point of the story away. Right. So Ryan, what did did you like? What did you like? Anything? Not much. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm always watching yeah. these things, looking for what there is to like in them. And this one, I would say, missed almost every swing that it took. Uh, I'm still enjoying Rain Wilson as Lex Luthor, which is a surprise to myself. Mm-hmm. Is that enough? Sure. That's, a, um, that's something. The Har- Harley's hyenas are the f- three stooges, but I think that's established before this movie. So, Yeah. It was, li- it was nice to see her in a co- you know. At this point, it's like seeing one of their classic costumes is so rare in the media world. It's hard. It's nice to see. Is that was that part of the hush costume that her uh, upper arms are no. exposed? No, that was not. No? no. Okay. So that's a new design for this. Yeah. Okay, but more towards the classic Harley from the original animated series for sure, than as opposed what we've to seen lately. Margot Robbie. Yeah. Uh, it's always nice and funny to see Dick Grayson take a major role in something when he's being, you know, slowly, played, slowly, mur- in slowly murdered in the uh, comics. Sean Mayer, who has been playing The Flash in these. He's also been playing Dick Grayson. Has he been doing both? Yeah. Okay. I watched this this movie after doing Trapeze yesterday where I think I broke a toe. (laughs) It's very purple today. I don't don't quite remember. It's nice to see these things that are are just not in the comics anymore. Okay. I got a genuine like. Mm -hmm. I am not familiar with the actor, at least I don't think, the actors who played Joker and Harley Quinn. I think they did a good job. Yeah. I think they're more known as like video game voiceover artists and like are just like they're known for their animated work as opposed to them being TV actors brought into this. They're voice actors. Yeah, yeah. they're voice actors. They're very long way around about saying they are voice actors. Jason Spizak, who does Joker. It's not stunt casting. No, it's he's like a video game the, and, and cartoon and voice actor. He's very good. Yeah, I thought they were really good as like, let's just do a classic Joker and Harley Quinn. I will say that I thought I mean the first 30 minutes until until the Joker shoots Tommy I was enjoying it for all the problems I was I was noticing I was enjoying watching it and then the second half I did not enjoy watching so if I had a, another positive it would be that I thought the first half was fun 
And then the problem is the second half, all the problems from of the first half, you know, bore fruit. And that, that's when the movie fell apart. Here's something I wanted to ask you, specifically, Connor, mm-hmm. after watching this. There are two parts in here where they place major emphasis on Batman and his code. He's unwilling to kill. Right. There's a point where he's almost going to kill the Joker. He's almost going to strangle him. Right. In the comic, Jim Gordon actually shoots him. Yeah, yeah. And, like, grazes him. Yeah. Uh, here he doesn't get that far. He just says, "Hey, knock it off!" Like, hey, stop it. Gotham needs Goth- Gotham needs the Batman, right? And then Batman's like, "Oh, right, Gotham." It's like it's like mentioning Martha in the live action movies. <laughs> and then at the end, it's the cause for him and Selena to sort of part ways, at least for now, um, because he wasn't willing to let the Riddler die, whereas she's like, "Screw this!" and like cuts the cord. Which side are you on? In terms of, or like, do, do like, do you think, do you think Bruce Wayne slash Batman is completely in the right here, or is this a compulsion where he's following a code that defies logic? His non-killing code defies logic. Is that yeah, what you're saying? yeah, in, especially in these instances. Yeah, I mean that's always the conundrum with batman is you know the argument that you keep letting the joker live and therefore everyone's killed is on your head but he's he is compulsively against people dying but it made a lot more sense in the book because there's a long build-up and while he's fighting the uh the joker there's all kind of these flashes to to jason being killed and barbara being shot and all the terrible things the joker's done so when he gets and yeah. now he's just shot his friend Tommy, so he gets when he gets to the point where he's strangling him, it feels earned as opposed to here, which is like yeah, here it definitely isn't. Just like some dude you just you just ran to again that you hadn't seen in twenty years, and it's sad, but like is it worse than anything else he's done in the last ten years? You've been fighting it. Loeb did a better job of making him earn that moment than the movie did. That's the, like sort of the breaking point of the film where the thing everything falls apart is that fight. But yeah, Batman's Batman's code makes no sense. But that's well, no, I think it's important to the character that he yeah. has a code against. I mean, he is a superhero at the end of the day. I think it's important. I'm just saying when you break it down logically, it doesn't make any sense. But that's what makes Batman Batman. He doesn't. It he defies logic. The, the, the illogic of it bothers me less than like a guy who has a code against killing, putting like and hates guns, but he'll put cannons on his car. Like that's what that's yeah. what bothers me more because I'm like, well, a cannon's just a very large gun that you put on four wheels. I don't think it really. <laughs> kind of kind of dodging the issue there bats but yeah. um I, for me selena's kind of callous disregard for life like is off-putting and it's it's unclear to me why she holds to that as strongly as batman holds to his code um and why she's not willing to play along with batman's thing and then you know with with the riddler at the very end like he's a terminal cancer patient already right well he's not he's been he's been cured Batman said that it was already coming back because it's a temporary, at least in according to this script, it's a temporary fix. Doesn't make Riddler immortal. I think I think it's ambiguous in that. I don't know. I don't know that they definitively say one way or the other. There, there's the boost in power, like he's he's got like extra strength. Yeah. It also makes you temporarily crazy, right? Like that's the whole thing with the Lazarus. Like, you come out crazy. I mean, the, the idea that you being strong and smart has never really been a thing about the Lazarus Pit, and I don't remember that from the, the Hush book either. That was. Sort of, I don't mind. I don't mind the idea of you have a crazy vision when you're in the pit. That was kind of cool. Yeah, sure. 
And I liked that maybe it was something about the pit's healing effects that allowed the Riddler to put all the pieces together. Yeah, like his unraveling things. Yeah, that was kind of cool. So it, it uh, gives you clarity, but then it also makes you bonkers, like, afterwards. It's it's kind of... Like, it, it, it makes... It doesn't give you, like, a rational rage. Like, that's usually how it yep. gets played it's out. Zerker mode. Yeah. So, I, I mean, at the risk of beating a dead horse, I think we're... We're pretty much disappointed. I'm not. We didn't like I, it. I wasn't. I didn't go in with high expectations. No, no. But we. You, know, I was, you, you want everyone to be good. Right. Yeah. Sure. You want to enjoy yourself. You don't want to feel like you're trapped watching this film. You want to have a good time. Every every move I put in, I want to be good and enjoyable. Yeah. So I was disappointed no, in that sense. Of course. So overall, Batman Hush, misfire. One of their one of their one of their yeah. big misfires, especially of late. Not for lack of ambition, though. Sure, it's sure. I'll uh, say that there, there, there are entries in here that I feel like were just sort of phoned—not phoned in. I know it, like people put care and, and attention into this stuff, but the overall feeling at the end is like this wasn't inspired. Whereas this, like, I feel like they, tr- they were trying something and it just didn't work. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. it didn't work. So let's uh, let's do ratings for this before we move on to the next thing we're going to talk about. Ratings out of five. I think I have to go with a two. I think two's about right. I could maybe even go a little lower, but I think I'll stick with two. I'll get, yeah, I'll go. I'll go two for tilt, just for like I said, there was, you know, they were trying something with this, and they just didn't hit it. Right. But it's definitely it's definitely not satisfying. It's not not something I would recommend to anyone. So, two things as we move on. Um, one is that Batman Hush marked the return of the showcase shorts, which was a staple of the original line of films in which they would attach a short that would feature other characters that wouldn't maybe necessarily support a feature film. It's so weird to be nostalgic about those, but <laughs> it has been a while. It's been a long, it's been a long time. And they were great. I, I thought they were all they were so good. really good. This features Sergeant Rock as voiced by Carl Urban. And I can't tell you anything more about it. because. Uh, <laughs> wait, why? Why can't you tell us any more about it? So I, I always buy the disc. The, these, Paul and Ryan watch it digitally, which you don't get the short. You don't get any of the bonus features. I went to put the disc in this morning. Uh, my, my Blu-ray player would not play it. I Uh-oh. updated the software, updated the firmware, would not play it. I put in three more other discs they would not play, so clearly my Blu-ray player died this morning. Hush killed your Blu-ray player? <laughs> so I had to spend some money that I wasn't planning on spending this morning on a new Blu-ray player, but luckily oh, Hush is also available currently on the DC Universe app, so I watched it there. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you watched Hush and then you were going to watch the showcase. No, 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 no. The whole movie wouldn't play. The whole disc okay. wouldn't play. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. And about four other discs I put in wouldn't play. So okay. I was able to watch the DC Universe app. So if you have the app, you can watch it there. Uh, but unfortunately, the short was not on the app. And I, since I couldn't get the disc to play, I couldn't watch the short. So I'm sort of waiting for the, my new Blu-ray player to arrive so I can watch the short because I'm very excited to watch it. Uh, hopefully I've seen it by the time the show actually comes out. I think it sucks that they don't include that. In the rental, that should just put tag that on at the end, or put it in the beginning, like a little you know animated or yeah, yeah kickoff like they used to do. I think Bruce Tim directed this short back back when you used to go to the Nickelodeon, Connor. Exactly, you get the news <laughs> and then you get the cartoon. So that's like so we have no review of that, which is fortunate. But going forward, there'll be more shorts 
they announced we they announced it recently. There's going what to be. What if we saved them all up and did a special 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 edition where we just did all the all the five upcoming shorts? Well, it'll be a long time. Years from now. Yeah, <laughs> that's like three years <laughs> let's, away. Let's tr- let's all try to see it before the next. Well, and we'll uh, one of these. Yeah, we'll talk about it next time. So, Phantom I mean, Stranger just, is just coming. Check the next. Yeah. Adam Strange. Death and then uh, Batman. I, th- I believe Death is on the Wonder Woman film, which we'll talk about now. Is so the next film is Wonder Woman Bloodlines, which is interesting for a number of reasons. One, you know, the, they put out a Wonder Woman film very early on in the run, and it was terrific. I think it was the remains fourth. one of the best things they've done. Maybe the, the best. The fourth film they did did not sell out well, so they never made another Wonder Woman film. But of, co- but of course, the the film did great, so they they put another Wonder Woman film into production. The trailer came out recently. It's another incontinuity film, which is kind of a bummer. Mm. Uh, it seems almost close to being another origin film, which I feel like we don't need since that's what was the last animated film, and that's what the live action film was. So this is Rosario Dawson. It's Rosario Dawson again. I don't mind that costume. The only thing it just it just reminds me of like man, they set this up a long time ago and <laughs> are still sticking with that costume. Yeah, this Rosario Dawson is this Diana and. All the regular people. It, it, it was originally like, Michelle Monaghan. That's right, that was, but she took over. Rosario Dawson was in the Wonder Woman movie, but she was playing Artemis? Yes. yes. She I was. think that's right. And then she went on to just play Wonder Woman. I believe it was a Carrie Russell who was Wonder Woman in that original movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Carrie R- Russell was Wonder Woman, but Michelle Monaghan was... She was Wonder Woman the, in the first continuity film, yeah. Yeah. So this film is basically Steve Trevor washes up on the shores of the mascara. Wonder Woman brings him back to... Her. You know, really? Yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of a third Wonder Woman origin film. They did that already. Yep. We'll find out. Wonder Woman Bloodlines comes out in October. We'll be back to review that one, as well as the hopefully we'll, we'll all be able to see the death short, which is with it. So that's October. Is there anything else? It looks like Superman Red Suns after that next year. Oh yeah. And then. They're on the Jim Lee train, so they're and they're developing the Superman Man of Tomorrow story that he did with Brian Azzarello as another one of these, which I remember being really bad. Yeah, I was gonna say that's not exactly a beloved storyline, but oh, it's okay. Jim Lee. Yeah, I've never, I've actually like intentionally avoided that one. <laughs> so like, I've, I've never actually read that. The next four films, uh, subject to change, is Wonder Woman Bloodlines October. Superman Red Sun, early 2020. Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, which is a sequel to the Justice League Dark film, which I think we liked. I can't remember. It came out two years ago. But I think we liked it. Oh, that was... Didn't they... In here, in this movie, in Hush, they reminded us that Lex is part of the Justice League? Did they? They all... they, They... they specifically mentioned, he said, like, I saved you people from Cyborg Superman. And, like, oh, right, that yeah. was true. We just saw that in Reign of the Superman. Right. But then he also said, and also, I'm I'm a member of the Justice League. And then Batman was, like... Probationary, uh, we'll call you. Yeah, that's probationary. Right, that's like, right, that's right. And, like, that was, a, that was a reveal at the end of one of these. Yeah, so who knows that And there was no end credits sequence for this one, right? Right, there wasn't. Right. Okay. So, Bloodlines, Red Sun, that'll be a standalone, I assume, Justice League Dark, and then Man of Tomorrow. So, that's what we got coming up. I'm obviously looking forward to the shorts more than I am any of those. 
Sure. Well, Red, Red, Red Sun. Sun. Red Sun's great. Red Sun's great. That's one of my favorite Superman stories of all time. So I'm, that's very. And lovely. it's only three issues. So as an adaptation, I think it might actually work better than something like twelve issues. That's true. Which we just sat through. So. All right. So that is it for Batman Hush and all related content. Any final thoughts? Nope. I think I'm just going to keep going. If you decided just to listen to the podcast and not watch the movie, you're done right. Keep on trucking. We love these films. We want them to be good. We're sad they're not. No one's gleeful about this. I would love to have been like, that was great, but it wasn't. Yeah, I I kept looking for things that, and this is a, you know, I'd like to see more of uh, Jennifer Morrison as Catwoman. Well, you know, if they ever decide to do the Tom King's Batcat story, she would be great. Absolutely. Maybe Jason Amara will get a movie and can't do the voice, and they need to get someone. Can we get a movie that's? Can we get a movie that was just that awesome double date issue at the like Kansas State Fair or whatever? That's fine with me. I like Jason Amara as an actor. I've talked about this before. I think he's a good actor. I think he's charming on screen. What does he do other than these? He's done other stuff. I haven't seen actually seen him. No, I mean I know he does other stuff. I just don't know what it is. He was in the the short lived time travel sci fi Fox show Terra Incognito. He's on Life on Mars. He's in okay. a lot of guest spots on American TV. He's an Irish actor. So he's good. He just Whatever reason, they're directing him to be a robot, which is challenging when he has to be the star of a film. I also watched Mindhunter Season 2 this weekend. They should put Anna Torv in one of these because she's great. Well, there you go. If anyone has if Warner Brothers needs casting ideas, give us a call. So you guys are listening. I mean, we are a brain trust. They, it's a kind of shocking they haven't reached out already. So go check out Science Sorta. That's Ryan's podcast, Science Sorta. You can check out the Pick of the Week show every week for Josh Flanagan. Sometimes Ryan Haupt and I talk about the week's comics. That's over at ifanboy.com. And we'll be back in October for Wonder Woman Bloodline. And until then, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I'm hushing up. Hey!